Hey, it's good to see you. I'm, uh, like Daryl said, I'm Ralston, and I'm excited about what we have ahead of us tonight. Um, let me pray to start, and then I'll say a little bit more about myself, and then we'll kind of jump in. God, thank you for the gift that it is to be together. And thank you that you go before us and that you are present with us all the time. And you're present here right now. And you'll be here when we leave and you'll be with us where we go. Uh, Lord, I have confused being in your image today and trying to be you and maybe some of the dear women and men in this room have felt the same. So would you still our hearts? Would you steady us? Um, would you prepare us to hear uh, from you tonight, Jesus, and to see you a little bit more clearly? And we pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, okay, well, Daryl said in the back to me a second ago, he called me the prayer guy, uh, which I think is hilarious uh, because as I was thinking about what to say and then even now I'm just thinking like, I'm a YP, like you, and I don't feel especially qualified to stand in front of you and tell you how to pray, and so that's not what I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk about prayer, but my hope would be that this would be a time where I share some thoughts that I feel like have helped me think about prayer, but also most of what I'm going to say are things that I'm currently thinking about and wrestling with. Uh, trying to perhaps put into my life or trying to see how the church could serve me and could serve all of us. Um, so a lot of what I'm going to say is coming from like, I'm thinking about this right now too. And I'm thinking about what it means to be new in Nashville and what it means to be fairly new in a church and what it means to pray and how all these things come together. So uh, I say that as kind of a disclaimer and to qualify everything that comes after this because I believe that God is here and I believe that God is going to speak but I don't think that it's just because of what I'm going to say at you. Uh, my hope would be that while we're together, that if you feel a sense from the Lord of something standing out to you, either in the scriptures we read or in a conversation you're having in a second when we have some discussion, uh, honor that. I mean, if you need to step out and like keep that conversation going, then do it. <laughs> or if you need to go up to the room and pray or just keep reading, uh, do it. Daryl said I'm a middle school teacher, and so all day long I'm like, no, Johnny, stop it. Like, shut up figure it out. Like, don't do that. Like, don't touch each other. And so I'm so excited to talk to people that uh, hopefully that isn't happening. And if it is, we have much bigger problems, I suppose. Um, so anyways, I, I hope that you know that. I, I, I really uh, am excited for this time, uh, but it's less because of uh, what I plan to say and more because um, God meets us in really surprising ways. And so uh, I hope that tonight uh, is one of those things. Um, so, where to begin? Uh, like I said a second ago, so I, I'm like you. So I'm, I came to Midtown about three years ago. Um, my wife, Ellie, who's in the back, she was here already. Uh, we were dating at the time and then got married uh, in May of 2020, which was a terrible time to move to a new city and a ridiculous time to get married. Uh, and so the first year of being here felt like uh, 10 years, <laughs> uh, and not really in a good way. Like, it was just really hard. Um, and then we've been here since. And so uh, I bet a lot of you in the room, I heard in the back, a lot of you moved in 2019, 2020. Um, and so uh, I've been here about that same time too. Uh, I teach middle school, like Daryl said. Um, and I guess the other thing to say about me, I don't, I, I, 
I don't believe in people like announcing their Enneagram type in public. So I'm not going to do that. But I'm just going to say that if you listen carefully to the things I say, you're going to learn a lot about my personality <laughs> as we talk. And so, um, so I guess just know that I'm kind of an ideas guy. I'm a nerd. I love to read. I love quotes. I'll share some with you. Um, but, but I can sometimes get lost in those things. And so if at some point tonight, you're like, what, what, why does this matter? You have every permission to raise your hand and say to me, why does this matter? <laughs> and, I, and that will help me be like, oh yeah, that's right. Here's why. So my hope is this will be very encouraging, very practical for us. But if it's not, uh, you have that permission. Uh, please take me up on that. So I, I, uh, I went to the Grand Canyon for the first time when I was in high school. I've only been once actually. So I went to the Grand Canyon when I was in high school. And uh, we got there. And if any of you in the, in the room have been to the Grand Canyon, you get there and you kind of you drive up and you can't see it from where you park, which was hilarious to me because I always had this vision of driving up and from a distance being like, whoa, but you can't see where you park. And then you walk out and you finally see it and you think this is just incredible. And as a middle school or high school boy, my friend Adam and I, we just immediately set out and planned the very next day to like hike down into the Grand Canyon because we thought we're here. What does someone do except hike into this thing? And so we did and it was epic. Uh, and then we got to the bottom of it and we were like, oh shit, what are we go- like? We have to get back up. What do we do now? It's so hot down here and there's no wind and it's miserable and we're out of water and now we need to get like back out of this. And it seemed a little bit less impressive in the bottom (laughs) than it did from the top. And so we kind of thought like, wow, I mean, here we go. Like now the real challenge begins. And as I was thinking about prayer, I think prayer can kind of be like that. Maybe some of you in the room have thought to yourself, like, I want to learn how to pray or I want to try to become a better prayer. Um, Or maybe some of you have for a while had a prayer rhythm or people that you pray with or a way that you are trying to grow in prayer. And I think that when we begin that, prayer can kind of be like the Grand Canyon. You look at it from a distance and you're like, I don't really know where to begin. Or maybe you start to hike down into it and then you realize, well, I'm way out of my league or I don't know what to do now or what seemed so exciting at the top (laughs) and now has become much more challenging. Uh, And there's a Christian mystic a long time ago named St. John of the Cross who called this the dark night of the soul, where actually a lot of times we begin something and then immediately wonder, where are you, God, and what are you doing? (laughs) And how, how are you at work? And I think prayer can be kind of like that. So I want to begin with that because even I feel that, and I think a lot of us in the room, if we're honest, feel that. There's a sense of perhaps you have done this before, or perhaps right now you're thinking, okay, prayer, this is going to be the time that I'm going to learn tonight, or I'm going to figure it out. And I just want to remind you that I feel this way, that prayer is beautiful, it's glorious, it's incredible, it's vast, like the Grand Canyon. Uh, and that's good. And if we go into it full of ourselves... Uh, we will soon find ourselves at the bottom wondering, what now? It's not a bad thing. It was a beautiful, the, the hike was incredible. Uh, being there at the bottom, we did get back out to the top. Uh, those things are good and beautiful. And I think in many ways, uh, prayer is too, and we're going to find prayer actually is even better. Uh, but it can leave us feeling that way. Uh, much of prayer will, is, is perhaps how do we handle the silence uh, of God? And that's something we're going to have to kind of think through some tonight. Um, so, Really, that is an analogy, and I guess I just want to point out a couple things before I want to give you a chance to talk to each other some about like what your uh, experience of prayer has been and, and what your 
uh, hoping to or thinking about as we head into the night. But I got to make a couple disclaimers or a few more. One of them is that every analogy is disappointing. <laughs> so even the Grand Canyon, prayer is not the Grand Canyon. Uh, and perhaps you at church, you could play a game of all the analogies you hear in a sermon and all the ways in which they don't actually work. Uh, because every analogy I think is disappointing. It, it, it breaks down somewhere. And especially with prayer, because oftentimes prayer comes out of our own experiences. So I want to, in a moment, I want to hear you guys sharing some with each other about just what your experiences of prayer have been. Uh, I bet many of us, not all of us, have probably memories of being a young Christian, whether that was when you're six years old or six days ago, learning how to pray, uh, involving like close your eyes and squeeze really hard and, and like talk quietly or something and then say amen. Yet we all have these things that shape the way we perceive prayer. And so every analogy like comes out of that. So I might say something tonight that you can't at all relate to. And I just want to say that that's not, that doesn't mean you can't relate to prayer. <laughs> it just means I made a dumb analogy and it, or it's like my experience is different than yours. There's no one denomination or no one person that has like cornered the market on prayer besides Jesus. Uh, and so that means it like, doesn't belong to me, it doesn't belong to you, it doesn't belong to a particular denomination like Presbyterians. We actually have a lot to learn about prayer from each other. And so you might have something from your life or an analogy that really works for you um, that I don't have, but I, I want you to hear that before we start talking at all about prayer, that I'm gonna try to make some sense of it, but in doing that, I'm gonna say something that's puzzling or strange to someone. And I just wanna remind you from the outset that that prayer cannot be defined. Prayer is a mystery of faith, much like the Trinity or much like how Jesus can be God and man. And these things just can't be defined uh, by an analogy. So we're not gonna figure it out tonight. I promise you that. I promise you that we can't figure it out because one, we don't have enough time unless you all, there's enough beer in the back that we could just stay here all night if you wanted to. Uh, but uh, I don't think we've signed up for that. And so one, we don't have enough time, but also because we're gonna see prayer is relational. And so it can't be figured out in the same way that your uh, girlfriend or boyfriend or your best friend or your spouse can't be figured out. So we're not gonna figure it out, um, but we're gonna explore kind of what the relationship is like a little bit more tonight. Uh, it's also not a how-to session. I would hope that this would leave you with some practical thoughts about prayer, but it, I, don't, I hope that this is not a time where you just think, if I leave here and do these steps, it will be better. Uh, because again, I think prayer is, is uh, Eugene Peterson has called uh, the life of discipleship a long obedience in the same direction. And so we can't figure it out right now. And we also can't just lay out like these are the two, three steps. If we do it, we've got it. I think that would be a mistake. I think we would miss something. Um, you'll notice there's a QR code on the front of the page there that I'll talk more about at the end. But it's also a place where if at any point you're, even though this is not a how-to session, I hope it's helpful. And if you find that you're confused or puzzled by something, that's a, you could scan that and that's a place where you could put a question in that we could come back to in another session or we could um, talk more about after this. But that, that's there for you. I'll talk more about it at the end, but it's, uh, it's there for you. Uh, here's the other kind of two things. And then uh, I got a question for y'all. Um, this will not answer all the questions we have about how prayer could relate to God's sovereignty. Because that's something that comes up as soon as we start thinking about prayer, especially as Presbyterians that we talk a lot about, and it's true, God is in control of all things and he holds all things together and nothing happens that surprises God because he is completely in control of all things. 
But Abraham seemed to change God's mind about Sodom and Gomorrah and Moses changed God's mind about Israel and uh, there's all these prayers that God listens to and you and I, when we pray, God hears us. And so the answer is yes. (laughs) Both of these are true. And that's like an entirely different conversation that's a really good one. But I guess I just want to say to you, just in a, from friend to friend, brother to sister, that it, like that's a conversation worth having and I'd love to have it. I'm sure Daryl would, uh, but it's not something that I'm going to really deal a whole lot with tonight because it's such a big thing. Um, but I just want to make sure that that's clear. And then the other thing too, uh, and then we, and then we go is, um, I, I just want to acknowledge as well that when we start to talk about prayer, I was thinking about this with a student the other day, um, who's, uh, is a midtowner actually, and her father a couple of years ago died of cancer in a really long, prolonged way, and and everybody was praying that he wouldn't die, and he did. And as soon as we start to talk about prayer, I bet you have whether it's your life or a friend's life or a spouse's life or a coworker's life. Like we all have stories of the silence of God or the like total and utter anger and confusion of like, wait a minute, I prayed for this and the opposite happened. What's up? What the heck? Um, and I just want to say that too, like that, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And, um, and, I, and I think that that's something that I would hope uh, we, even with all of that on our hearts and on our souls and on our minds as we talk about prayer, uh, I would encourage us to still press in and to still seek the goodness of God, even if that's something that's just like ripping out of your heart and you have that question tonight. It's not one that I plan to talk a whole, whole lot about, but I would hope that you could talk with each other. But I also just want you to know that as soon as we start talking about prayer, that's on the table and it's a real thing. And I think Jesus has something to say about it, uh, but it's not something that we're gonna spend a whole, whole lot of time on um, tonight. So I just kind of wanted to acknowledge those things. So if you've been to one of these before, you know from time to time we'll break up and talk to each other. Um, so I'd like to do that tonight still too. Uh, uh, it'll help me gather my thoughts and I'd love to give you a chance to just explore, maybe get to know someone new or talk with someone that you came with. Uh, this part of the night's always kind of terrifying to me when I'm in the crowd. So I just say like, look out for each other. <laughs> um, so invite people in or, or, or make sure that you're, uh, make sure that you're able to do that. But again, I deal with middle schoolers every day. So like, there's like, you know, mean guys and girls like doing side eyes or like, you know, boxing people out when they come into the classroom because so they can't sit by them. And I know that that's not what we're about to do. Um, but kind of get together with the people on your row, I, you know, anywhere between like, you know, three to five six, whatever people, but kind of make little, make little pods and um, make sure everyone knows your name. And then here's two questions for you. And I'll give you like, I don't know, seven minutes or so. Uh, The first is what has the church taught you about prayer? Or like, what are your earliest memories of what prayer is? And again, earliest could be like you, maybe you're five years old, or it could be like five hours ago. I don't know. But uh, what are your earliest memories? What do you feel like the church has taught you about prayer? What is something that, that you've heard about prayer? And then the other thing is, uh, and let's just be really honest, let's all commit to just like full transparency because we all realize that we have something to learn about prayer and it's really hard. Uh, what's the hardest thing about prayer right now? <laughs> or if you could snap your fingers, what would you fix about prayer if you could? So what's the church taught you? What's an early memory of prayer? And then like, what's really hard about it right now? Or what would you fix if you could? Okay, all right, so those are the two. So pot up. Uh, and chat for a little bit.
Y'all are much more hospitable conversationalists than the uh, 13-year-olds I, I hang out with. Um, uh, the time's always too short. Time's always too short. My hope is that it actually feels that way to you because it means that you cared about the things you were listening and, and saying to each other. So uh, time's always too short. I hope that just put a bookmark, come back to it in a second. Well, we've got a chance for you to keep hanging out. Um, would a couple of you brave souls be willing to shout out what is something that came out of that conversation? Maybe let's, maybe let's focus our time on the second question. My hope is that the first question would give you a little bit of context of who, you're, who you were talking with. Maybe the second question is the one that would be most helpful for us now, though. So if you, uh, would a couple of you be willing to share what was something that came out of that with the people around you, something that's hard about prayer right now, or something that you would fix if you, if you could? Yeah, Ethan, start us in back. Yeah, I think uh, for me sometimes, like, when I'm talking to God, just not hearing or feeling his presence back in that moment, or maybe on the timing that, like, I have in mind, yeah. and just wanting to, like, feel some kind of affirmation on what I'm praying about, or even if I'm on the right track or something, just some kind of response back mm. uh, when most times I feel like I Yeah. You're in good company. (laughs) Me too, and other people in the room. Yeah, man. Kind of added that. Um, It's like when you feel like you're kind of just on a one way track and you feel like you you want to hear, but also to deal with the fear. It's like, what if you do? What if I do hear something back? Mm -hmm. Am I going to have the discernment, the the maturity, all the stuff you need to? Receive it right, and just to you know push the fear aside because yeah. you know, it would be kind of scary, you know, if you were to get something, you know, it's yeah. like it's like do I really want that? Yeah, yeah. Do I really want Gabriel at my kitchen table all of a sudden? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, that's good. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. What did some of the rest of you think? What's something that's and, and we already cleared the table. Like we can be honest about this because we all acknowledge that this that it's hard. <laughs> um, Maybe a few more things that you could fix or that's really hard right now. Yeah, Carolyn. Um, our group talked a lot about the fine line between praying for the same thing repetitively and not seeing results. Or do we just pray at one time and trust that it's the Lord's will? Like how you distinguish the Lord's will in prayer when you are consistently praying for something? Yes. Yes. Yeah, God's plan seems a lot easier for Drake. <laughs> <laughs> Then for us, right? I mean, it's not that way, Drake. (laughs) So thank you, yes. Man. I wish I didn't hear that in my head as much when I was praying as I do because I'm often asking the exact same thing and, and wondering how it is that I discern between where does my desire stop and God's will start or are they moving in different directions or if I'm praying over and over and something's happening, does that mean it's not God's will? Am I not praying hard enough? Gets us into really deep water soon, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe one more thing. Something that's hard. Something new. super distracted. Yeah, uh-huh. Yep, yeah. Me too. 
You're not alone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just you. Um, yes, it's almost as though my brain, I don't feel like I'm thinking about something until I try to stop and, and be silent. And then the noise picks up. Like when, you're, when you try to be silent, it gets noisy. Um, and so is it just that I'm distracted? Am I not sitting still long enough? Maybe if I stayed for another minute, it would get quiet in my heart and in my mind. Or maybe it's never quiet. Yeah. Uh, Augustine has this line of that our hearts are restless and they're always moving. And I feel like I experience that when I, when I pray, when I sit still. Whether I'm praying or not, even just being still is when the restlessness, that kind of existential restlessness, zero to 60, <laughs> as soon as I shut up. And, um, and so that can be really tricky. Uh, you'll notice on the handout that, that I gave out to you, really I should qualify these and say, we're not gonna talk about everything on the page. When I give handouts to my students, their eyes get big and they, they look like they could kill me because they think it means we're gonna do a bunch of work. And um, we're gonna do a bunch of stuff, but I would hope that this, uh, take it home with you or not, um, but, but there's things on here that we might not talk about. My hope would be maybe in the coming days, if you're chewing on this more, it could be helpful for you as you take it home. But you will notice on the back, on the top, there's a couple of things I've listed that prayer is not and a few things that prayer is. So I just want to point those out real quick and then we'll kind of have some more questions and keep rolling. But I think it's really important for us when we start to think about prayer to first think about what it's not. Because there's a couple of things that I think can lead us astray when we think about prayer. And here's the first one. And this is, I'm guilty, uh, number one culprit. It's not the only time that God is present with us or listening to us or interacting with us. Uh, God is always present and he's always listening to us. Uh, Romans 8 says that actually when we go to pray, we're dumb and we can't pray the way we need to, but the Holy Spirit actually will pray for us which means, which that's true and it means a lot of other things, but it also means that somehow the Holy Spirit was there like to, to do it, to make it happen because we can't on our own. Um, this is the idea of the imminence of God, that God is so near to us that he actually knows what we need. Jesus will say this in Matthew 6 in a moment that we read. He knows what we need before we ask it. And Romans 11 says that all things are in God and through God and from God. And so um, the, there's a guy who wrote uh, Every Moment Holy, which some of you may, may know. And he has this line that I want to read to you because it pierces like a knife. Um, he says this, he says, uh, Doug McKelvey is his name. Anyone who holds to an Orthodox Christian viewpoint will give intellectual idea to the truth that God's always with us and his spirit is present in all moments. But, we tend to more often live our daily lives like what a pastor friend of mine once termed practical atheists. Meaning that we give intellectual assent to the idea that God's always present, but we live our lives and make most of our choices as though he isn't. So I just wanna encourage you and I to uh, be kind of set free, but also convicted too of the idea that when you all of a sudden bow your head and put your hands together that now God's listening because he's, he's there 
And not in the like Santa Claus way of he's looking at you to see if you're doing right or wrong, but in the encouraging way of he's closer than a brother, he's sustaining your very breath. He's there all the time, which means that now all of a sudden, everything we do could be a kind of prayer. And every moment or breath that we breathe could in some way be a kind of prayer. That we can still say words to God and we should still say words. Jesus is very clear about that. But, but he's there before you speak your first prayer. He's, he's there. And so he's present even if your brain isn't. And he's present even if everything is going crazy at work and your software got hacked and whatever and whatever or that coworker that always takes your lunch took it again or whatever it is, he's there. He's there. Uh, The other thing that prayer isn't is that it's not performance. So growing up, I uh, was a part of a youth group at a church and I was, as a young youth group kid, was always struck by like the older people there that seemed so like passionate about Jesus or so good on their guitars or whatever else like youth groupy subculture that was present there around me and uh, hilarious things now looking back on. But one thing I remember standing out to me, the church I was a part of, there was no like liturgy, no repetitive words, no kind of habit. It was totally, anytime someone would go to pray, just whatever they thought of. And I remember thinking like some people's prayers are awesome and some people's suck. (laughs) And all of a sudden, and, and that I think carried on for a number of years for me of thinking like the quality of prayer really matters to God because some of them seem so good and some of them don't. And so I want to remind you as we keep, as we keep moving and talking about prayer tonight, it's not performance. We should just go ahead and wipe that off the table as well because Jesus is also very clear in Matthew 6 that he actually says like, woe to those who try to perform. Actually be very careful if you try to perform. Um, and I'm tempted to perform for people, for you, for God, and, and so that's actually very freeing to me. It pierces, it's convicting, but it's also freeing when I sit with it to be reminded there's nothing I have to do to please God in this moment. Because in fact, he's already here. He knows what I asked before I ask it. And so I don't have to ask it a certain kind of way. I can just mumble. I can just say help. I don't have to perform. And in fact, Jesus's prayer, the Lord's prayer What stands out to me about it and what might hit you in a few moments is how simple it is and how if that was all you said, you might actually feel like you're not praying enough. (laughs) It's that simple. So you don't have to perform. I don't have to perform. I think we miss something when we think that it's performative. Um, It's also not optional. Prayer is not optional. Prayer is Jesus, when he teaches about prayer, he assumes that his disciples are already praying. Because he doesn't tell them to start praying, he just tells them how to pray. And the rest of the Bible, it can be hard to see what the Bible says about prayer sometimes, because it doesn't say a whole lot about how to pray, but it says just a lot about people praying. Just people are doing it. So for you and for me, prayer is this way of being in relationship with God. And it's a simple like way of breathing. Like we breathe, our brains tell us to breathe without us choosing to. And in the same way, God, by agreeing to and covenanting to relationship with us has drawn us into this like 
almost like spiritual biology. (laughs) It's just our way of being with him. And so it's not optional. It's a part of our very survival. But here's the flip side of that. Because if I just say that, you might think like, well, shoot, I guess I just need to go out here and pray all night, which could be good. But because it's not optional, it's also not super. It's not like a superpower. Every one of us can do it and should do it and are doing it. There's nothing about it. It's not on the list of spiritual gifts that Paul talks about. It's not like this special higher status. People who go and serve overseas as overseas missionaries are the ones who pray or the ones who have crazy stories of healings are the ones who pray. It's not optional. It's a part of our spiritual biology. It's the way God has made us to be in relationship with him. But the flip side of that coin, which is really, really, really important is that that then means it's not super or special status. It's just simply a way of being that you and I and all of us can be in. Nobody makes fun of the fact that other people breathe. It's, we don't even see it happening. It's just a part of who we are. Now, you might think someone like makes a lot of noise when they breathe. Maybe your grandparent or great-grandparent growing up, you were like, wow, that's so much noise. But no one is mocking you for the fact that you breathe. It's a part of your biology. It's part of your spiritual biology. I would say that prayer is in the same way. It's not optional. It's a part of who we are as a believer, but it's also not super. It's not special status. Uh, It's not something that has to result in an extraordinary miracle. I would say more often than not, prayer is hidden. It's mundane. Maybe it's silent. There might not be words involved in it. Maybe you feel like God's silence as a result of it. And actually, prayer most often looks kind of like that, kind of like breathing in a similar way. Uh, And then the final thing is it's not efficient. Um, Some of you have said this a second ago of like, prayer is not the thing that causes the genie to come out of the bottle. (laughs) And that's elementary, but I'm guilty of this. And I think maybe some of us in the room are too. and, And I would caution you that that if you're telling yourself this that if you just start praying then something will happen you're going to be disappointed perhaps something amazing could happen but I think we miss part of the beauty of prayer when we approach it thinking that it is somehow efficient that somehow it's going to get what we need to done as quickly as possible I'm tempted even with thinking about what I was going to say tonight but in everything as hopefully I'm not the only one in the room I'm tempted to think, how little work can I put into something and still get like the same result back? Because that's just the age that we live in. It helps us do our jobs. Many of your jobs are founded upon efficiency and your bosses want you to get as much done as possible in the hours that you are working. And so we live in this world and so we have to be mindful that we don't take that thing that our world and our culture and our bosses are teaching us and take it and assume that that's how God operates. There's this great, uh, a a Japanese theologian a number of years ago who he wrote a book called Three Mile an Hour God. And he kind of said, okay, on average, people walk three miles an hour which is really humbling if you think about it. (laughs) On average, if you're not power walking or running or crawling, I suppose, on average, you're walking roughly three miles an hour. And this guy said, um, Jesus, aside from when he was on a boat, walked everywhere. So he kind of is like, I guess that means that God moves at three miles an hour. Now God can do incredible things. We could pray for it and it could happen miraculously and in an instant. 
but often I think that God moves very uh, slowly in my mind. Not slow to God, but in my mind it's slow. In the same way that I'm sometimes reading the stories of Jesus and I'm thinking, would you just get to the point, Jesus? Like, don't get distracted by that person on the sidewalk. Like, you're heading here. Like, you got to go here. Uh, but instead, he's pausing and he's walking. He's not getting his phone out to check it. He's like moving very slowly through things. So I, I want to caution us to not think that prayer is, uh, is efficient. Um, instead, uh, prayer is uh, many other things. And we're going to read together and talk a little bit more about, about how Jesus would have us understand prayer differently and really how that could set us free. I think these, those four things could kind of trap you or corner you into a way of praying that is uh, set up for disappointment. It's set up for uh, confusion, maybe even idolatry. Maybe even it's set up when we approach prayer as being efficient. We're tempted to look at God through the lens of our being happy. Uh, And there's a guy who wrote a book on the Lord's Prayer, and he said, if your evaluation for God's will being done is your happiness— then you will either never think God's will is being done because you're never happy or you'll never feel happy because you always feel like God's doing his will over here. If you think that the evaluation of God's will being done is your happiness. So this is just an example of the way that efficiency and productivity and effectiveness of prayers, we approach it that way, can set us off on a life of praying where we're always, uh, we're always confused on what God is actually doing and how he's working out his will in the world and how he's using you and using me. Um, so I want to, I want you to have another chance to chat with each other. And I, I want to ask, I'm playing a different one, but I think that this is, I think that this is the one, um, this question. So, t- so pot up in just a second. And another question for you about five minutes or so is what do you think it means to be a good prayer? Someone who prays, what do you think it means to be a good prayer? Um, and that's not like a sleight of hand, like your answer then means wrong or bad. So like be, be honest with each other, like in good ways, in bad ways, uh, or not in bad ways, but, but both kind of honestly, but also optimistically, hopefully. Um, what do you think it means if we were to take a snapshot right now of what it means to be a good prayer? So pot up and for about five minutes, kick that question around together. All right, let's hear it. Uh, I'd love to hear some of the things that, that came out of that. Again, there, there could always be more. It should always be more conversation. Um, so sorry to cut you off, but also got to roll. Um, so what, what were some of the things that came out, of, or even just one or two things that came out of your group about it? Yeah. Yeah, what does it mean to be a good prayer? The what prayer is not, a second ago, kind of it picks out the caricatures of prayer that I often will think of. Uh, I like this, though, is helpful for thinking about prayer in a much more hopeful way, showing up. Um, what were some other things that came out of your groups? Genuine heart. 
Yeah, perhaps that perhaps the opposite of performance is not playing dumb, but is instead genuinity. Perhaps is the true opposite of performance, having a genuine heart. Yeah. Yeah. Is there such thing as a bad prayer? Great question. Great question. Yes. But I think who falls into the category would probably surprise you. Uh, We'll read Jesus' words in a second. Uh, But Jesus seems to say that the bad prayer is the one who's performing. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with what they're saying. Simply for the word's sake. Yeah, I, uh, oh yeah, go, yeah. Listening. I'm bad at that just in human relationships. <laughs> and so then it's really hard when it's uh, listening to God, whose voice is sometimes very quiet or silent at times, yeah. Uh, the question is, I mean, an intentionally provocative one gets people going. It's, um, I think intentionally exposes for us the ways that we sometimes think we want to be better. And I would hope that as we read Jesus's words, we might realize that some of those ways might be our own consciences speaking and not Jesus. It might be our own egos or our own desire for being authentic or being gifted or being responsible, mature. Uh, That might be talking to us more than the king, the Christ. Uh, there's nobody who wants you to pray more than Jesus, uh, but not like a coach or like a teacher, or like someone who just loves you, like in the same way a friend or a spouse. No one wants you to come over more than your friend does when you have a good friendship. Um, and no one's praying for you more than Jesus. So I want to kind of think about how he's inviting in these in these last kind of 15-ish minutes we have together. I want to look at some of his words to see how he's inviting us to pray. I think they'll surprise us. I think that they'll uh, lead us into some freedom and hopefully will lead you and I out of this room with both some practical things, but also some, just some ways of being and some kind of invitations to relationship uh, with him. If you've got a sheet, uh, it's on the front page. If you do not have a sheet, then uh, we're looking at uh, Luke 11 and... Matthew 6 and John 15. Um, I'm just going to read a couple of the verses from each of the passages, uh, really kind of the first few from each one, and then, uh, and then we'll kind of explore it a little bit together. So uh, two renditions of a very similar story and then uh, slightly different, but perhaps more uh, almost more helpful little snippet too. So from Luke 11. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. 
And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Uh, And then looking down at Matthew 6. And when you pray, so R-E at the uh, bad prayers here. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and street corners that they might be seen by others. But truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard by their many words. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, And then finally, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's the word of the Lord. Um, Okay, so I, I have found these to be three of the most helpful passages about prayer in the Bible. There's a lot of them. There's so many of them. Um, and so the uh, sins of omission here of the many things that I've left out. Uh, so forgive me for that. Uh, but I, I hope that this would point out just a couple things for us as we leave here. Um, so there's a couple things on the back of your sheet about what prayer is. Uh, so the first of those is that the, I think prayer is uh, Christ-like. Uh, there's no denomination that owns prayer. Uh, when you and I talk about prayer, it's not just because the pastors need us to, or it's not just because uh, you are simply supposed to because like the church has told you that. Uh, just Jesus himself prays. And so if, if part of being a disciple of Jesus is putting on his yoke, which is easy and light and leads to freedom and abundant life, um, then praying is before anything else, it's simply what Jesus does in his relationship with the Father. That's a mystery that Jesus would need to pray, (laughs) but he did and he does pray and he still prays, uh, which is another conversation we could have if that is something interesting and puzzling to you, but he still, Jesus still prays for you and prays for me. This is who he is. And so that's one of the first things I want to point out to you is that Jesus in this story in Luke 6, uh, Luke 6 or, or Luke 11, it starts with Jesus was praying. And that starts a whole conversation. So I would hope we wouldn't miss that, that Jesus himself prays. And so part of becoming like Jesus is then also praying. Uh, the, beauty of, uh, the beauty of the Christian story, and some of you in the room might be asking, like, what's so beautiful about the gospel tonight? I would say this is one thing, is that uh, it's very clear throughout the Bible that, that God wants to make us more like himself. And that's really beautiful to me. In fact, that Jesus is promising to, as we spend time in relationship with him, he's promising to make us more like himself. And so that's exciting because Jesus is someone who prays. He prays to the Father. He has a beautiful and perfect relationship with the Father. And that even though you and I are, are, are sinful and broken, he still, I think, is wanting to make that in us as we live life with him. I just want to encourage you with that. You might leave here and be really still puzzled about 
prayer, but, but I hope that you go knowing that Jesus wants to make you more like him in the way you pray, in the way you work, the way you love your friends. Uh, he's making us more like him. Um, then, in addition, a couple of things that stand out to us about prayer. So uh, the first one, I believe, I, don't, I gave my hand out away, but I think there's four. But the first one is that prayer is uh, relational. So notice this. Uh, Jesus instructs his disciples and you and I tonight to pray our Father. Uh, and now some of you, as soon as you hear that, you're like, here we go again. The church is using father language because <laughs> my dad sucked. Some of you might be thinking that. Um, and and I, I don't have something here to fix that for you. Uh, I realize that it can be really hard because you and I see things in analogies. So you see through your experience. Uh, and I, I just want to encourage you that, uh, that in fact, God is a perfect father. We see him through analogies. We use our own experiences to see who God is. But the Bible would invite us, it's so hard to do, but would invite us to actually go the other way instead of using our experiences to see who God is to actually use God to then see our experiences. It's seeing God and knowing God as father helps us to see how broken our fathers were. And it helps us to see how good he is as a father. So I'd invite you, it can be really hard to pray our father, especially if you have a really hard relationship with your father. But I'd invite you to try to, to change the analogy of being and instead see God as the starting point for all other things because he invites us to pray our father. Now here's the other thing that's beautiful about that is that it's not my father, it's our father. So when you go to pray, you're praying to a, to a God who is a father of all of you in this room and all who bear his name in the world. <laughs> so you all of a sudden are participating with the average Christian in the world who today is a sub-Saharan African woman is the average Christian because of population, you and I now are participating in something much bigger than ourselves. God is the father of all of his children. That means that, uh, oh well, if we're thinking about it as an analogy, like that's a lot of uh, Christmas gifts <laughs> and a lot of like competing interests to, de- to juggle. But I think in fact, it's actually quite beautiful to, to, uh, to remember that he's our father because it also points out that if you're having a hard time knowing the father, there's someone else who can help you. Anyone in this room, we're praying to our father. We all now are siblings and we should help each other and remind each other who the father is. Like I can enter into conversation with one of you. I even have tonight in the back and I'm reminded something about who God is by conversations with you. So when we pray our father, uh, Jesus wants us to pray relationally to start out uh, calling him as father. Then there's something about this relationship that really stands out and it's this. The next thing is a hallowed be your name. I've heard it said and uh, read again in the last couple of weeks that often I will go to God and ask God to hallow the things that I care about. It's like, hey God, I've got this thing tomorrow at work. Hey God, um, I'm not feeling great. Hey God, there's this person in my life that I really care about that's having a hard time. I care about these things, God, fix them. And Jesus invites you and me to begin our prayers with our Father, 
hallowed be your name. He invites us to kind of change that direction and to first sit with, God, you're holy. We don't say hallowed a whole lot, but God, first you're holy. And then that then moves a different direction. Instead of going to God and saying, hey, I care about all this stuff, so, you know, hallow it. God, would you honor the things I care about? Jesus invites us to go in relationship to our father. Dada is really like the closest translation. It's like, dada, you're good. Now change me, right? Now, because you're good, I then can, I then can be changed somehow through your goodness and through your holiness. So uh, time is slipping, slipping, slipping away from us, but I want to point out just two more things to us and then kind of leave us with a few things uh, to go from here. Uh, Something that really stands out to me and will stand out to us if we're honest with ourselves is how simple the Lord's prayer is. And maybe you're in the room and you're like, yeah, but that just makes me more angry (laughs) because then it means I can't do something that's simple. (laughs) I've felt that. I feel that still. I would invite you and encourage you to, to try to kind of curb that panic that you might feel and instead be refreshed by the simplicity of the words that Jesus gives his disciples and gives you and me. I really, I'm a huge believer in the Lord's prayer. Uh, I, I knew there was a pastor, he tragically, terrible, died in a car wreck two years ago, taking his daughter to college, just unspeakable tragedy. Uh, He had an alarm set on his watch seven times a day to remind himself to pray the Lord's Prayer. Not because it's it's not a magical incantation, uh, not because he was a super Christian, but but there's something about these words Jesus teaches us to pray that were simple enough that they could be said in 30 seconds to a minute in the middle of something, and they could be said over and over again. It's easy to remember and easy to pray. Whether it's the Lord's prayer for you or a simple, God, have mercy. Jesus invites us into a way of praying that is very, very, very simple. And I don't mean that praying is simple, but he invites us to pray simple things. You don't have to prepare things before you go into prayer with God. Uh, You can, in fact, enter and just be silent. Uh, There are all these monks that lived in the desert a long time ago, and they did ridiculous things that are totally unrelatable uh, and just absurd. But this is actually quite helpful. (laughs) So many of the things they did were just ridiculous. Uh, But I find this saying of one of those desert fathers actually very, very helpful. Uh, Abba Macarius was his name. Great name, added to the list. He said, there's no need for many words in prayer, Just stretch out your hands from time to time and say, Lord, as you will, and as you know, have mercy on me. And if conflict arises in your heart, say, help. The Lord knows your needs and he'll have mercy on you. We have a God whose primary mode of being towards us is mercy. So when we just sit and say, God, have mercy on me, in that moment, we enter into a communion with God And he reminds us, yes, that's what I do. I have mercy on you. And there's nothing else you need other than simply to sit and to to ask. So uh, the words Jesus gives are in fact very, very, very simple. Um, And and G.K. Chesterton has said once that um, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Um, and the same could be said about the Lord's Prayer. It's not, it's not 
Uh, it's not been uh, tried and found difficult, but perhaps it's been found unimpressive and left untried. So if there's something for you and me in the week ahead, maybe it's an encouragement to sit with these words of the Lord's Prayer, perhaps each morning or each evening, perhaps some way in your day to conform your prayers to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Not to simply just for the point of it to memorize it and say it exactly, but perhaps this could become a template for you where some mornings I will sit and just say these words, but other times I will spend time with each line and perhaps fill in the things that are on my mind, but still moving in the same direction that Jesus gives his disciples in the Lord's Prayer. Perhaps it's something for us to consider uh, as we think about the simplicity of these words and then as we think about uh, how it is that we could pray in this way. The final thing I want to share, kind of encourage you as we close is this. There is power to habit. And as soon as we start to talk about habit, there's a danger. Sometimes we think like we can't have any habits or we can't like really commit to doing something because then we can get legalistic and we can get proud. So we should just never try. Um, But it's also been said that the gospel is opposed to earning but not opposed to effort. And our lives are so noisy that it actually sometimes requires a lot of effort to still our hearts. And sometimes it it might take really drastic measures to kind of steady your mind. It might take really extreme or really consistent habits to create a space where you and I can sit with God, whether we hear his voice or not we can sit with him and trust that we're sitting in relationship with the Father. Sometimes it takes a whole lot of work to create a space just to even get started, which is probably now that we've spent an hour and a half together, not talking, but together, you might be thinking like, well, now we've hit the heart of the matter. Like maybe that's why for you and for me, praying is so hard is because our lives are so noisy and so busy that it's actually just hard to get started. And then when we do, we're up and on to the next thing before we've really like studied our hearts and stilled our minds. That could look like a million different things to you. I have found it's helpful to create time to pray in the mornings before I, turn, before I get my phone out because as soon as I do, then it's just a consistent throughout the rest of the day. I'm just bombarded by the things that are on my screen. Not because I hate my phone, I love my phone. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I, I, I find that I need to pray before I get it back out. Uh, maybe for you, it's creating a time some other time of the day. Maybe it's not your phone. Maybe it's um, time away from your roommates or maybe it's time with your roommates. Maybe praying with them would be helpful to you to, uh, to kind of steady yourself uh, and still yourself. Um, Prayer is not efficient. And so it actually, an encouragement to you would be to consider in the days ahead, what might be a way that you and I could sit in the silence and in relationship with God, in simplicity. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to perform. But you might need to put a fence up to be able to get into it. Or you might need to make a reservation for dinner (laughs) to then have that great time, that great date, that great time with your spouse. You might need to not schedule other events so that you can watch the game with your friends. You might need to, we might need to together create some structures or some trellises so that this fruit of abiding with Jesus could grow. It's simple. It's beautiful. 
but it's hard, especially when we're always bombarded by attention. Things are competing for our affections all the time. So where do we go from here? Uh, Well, the biggest thing I could say to you is, someone said it a second ago, uh, keep showing up. Keep showing up. Um, The guy named Ronald Rollheiser has said that prayer, it's kind of like uh, in a similar way to marriage or to your job or to something. Like, it's not your passion for what you do that keeps you working. It's the fact that you've just agreed to work and so you just show up and that, that showing up sustains your passion. Because there's days where you are not passionate for the systems that you're optimizing <laughs> or the accounts that you're balancing or the kids you're teaching or the people you're taking care of. In fact, you actually might not be passionate but just by then showing up, maybe at the end of the day, you're reminded, you actually like what you do. Showing up is then the basis for cultivating our passion. So I would invite you, this kind of thing is how, where we go. Um, Midtown has some ways that you can pray. Uh, every Wednesday morning on Zoom, some people get together and pray at the start of the day in a very simple way, quiet way before the day starts. The last Wednesday of the month, I lead a prayer time down in this room downstairs where we do a similar thing to just create a time at the end of our workday to sit still so that we don't just keep churning gears the rest of the night. We acknowledge who the king is and then we can go and rest. So I'd invite you to that the last Wednesday of the month. Or on a Sunday morning, people are always praying here. My hope is that this and these conversations could continue. We could continue to think of together some ways we could become people of prayer that pray in simple ways, in still ways, uh, but in honest ways together. Uh, Midtown wants that for us, wants that for you. And so I think that w- we have an opportunity to, to really try to grow in that direction together. So that's where that QR code on the front page uh, could come in. If you're interested in wanting to get together, to meet together, to pray, even if it's quick or online or in person, or there's something that I, you came in tonight hoping would be addressed and I just totally ignored <laughs> your concern or didn't talk about it, you could voice it there. Um, there's something that I said or someone said tonight that you want to think more about, you could put it there. My hope is that this would turn into something that we could return to uh, and you could invite your friends too so that prayer isn't like a lame topic, but is instead, it's like that spiritual biology. It's, it's just a part of our being in relationship with Jesus and we can kind of enter into it honestly uh, and together. So let me pray for us. Uh, and then I think you can grab a LaCroix or a beer on the way out. There's still some more food to be grabbed in the back. Uh, but I'm really encouraged by you talking with each other. Pick those conversations back up. Um, and, uh, and I'll be up here if you want to talk more about any of these things. God, you, you know all of our hearts and you know all our desires. And none of us can keep secrets from you. So would you, by your Holy Spirit, um, continue to cleanse our hearts so that we could love you more and we could serve you more in this world uh, and so we can hear you. Would you help us create a space in these days and week ahead to sit with you uh, simply, humbly, honestly, that we would uh, allow ourselves to be known by you and to know you a little bit more in return. Uh, you are good and you're beautiful and you're true, God. So would you reveal that a little bit more to us as we go out into the corners of the city that you have called us into to serve and to seek its peace. Establish the work of our hands, Jesus. We pray this through you. Amen.